We're in Genesis chapter number 39. Genesis chapter number 39. As we continue looking at the life of Joseph, we see, we see that things didn't start out fair for Joseph. It, it would seem he was on a path he had a lot to overcome. We look at his family and we see the betrayal of his brothers. Not only in his life, but we've seen betrayal of his brothers in other lives as well. When Simeon and Levi tricked the city uh, in the matter of Dinah, their sister. And if you read uh, chapter 38, and you can do that on your own time, but we just to let you know, that's where you where you see the tribe of Judah continue on. Uh, we won't talk a lot about that, but it's kind of an aside. But uh, after, after Joseph had been sold into slavery, uh, Judah, I, I think it just weighed on him what him and his brothers had done, and he, he got away from the family and kind of lived on his own for a while, and that follows him there. But Joseph had been thrown into a pit. He'd been betrayed by his brothers. He'd been sold into slavery, and he, he was no longer in the family. He was, uh, there, there's certain experiences in your life. I remember one time in the Navy, we had, a, uh, we had a swim call off the side of the ship in the Caribbean. And the ship hadn't stopped all the way before the captain let everybody jump in. And I remember kind of swimming in that water and seeing our ship didn't seem all that big when we were on it, but when you're down there in the water and you start to see it getting further and further away and you're in the middle of the Caribbean, you don't know where anywhere is, I, you know, that was, that was kind of one of those circumstances where it's like you, you're glad this is just a swim call and you're pretty sure the captain's not going to let you, you know, let the ship leave you behind. You're, you're out there with several other crew. But it gives you a feeling, you know, what if this was the case? What if I was watching my ship go away? I think I, I use that to think about Joseph as he's led away from his family, as he's, as he's tied, tied up with the other slaves that have been drug along. And as they go away and he sees his brothers not even caring, not even looking back, as he's led away off into another life. <coughs> and he's rejected by his brothers, just as Jesus Christ was rejected by the Jew when he came. And uh, he was delivered into the hands of the Gentile, just as Joseph is delivered into the hand of the Ishmaelites, and now over to Egypt. And we see in uh, chapter 39, it says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down hither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Let's pray before we get too far. Amen. So, as we look at the life of Joseph, I want you to first... Look at the testimony that Joseph had, been, had built up. There's a lot of people that can look back and say, well, because of this in my upbringing, because of this in my childhood, my mother did this to me, or my father did this to me, or, or this happened to me when I was young, and this is why I can't do this or that. 
And, but Joseph did none of those things that we saw. If any man had a right to, Joseph had a right to complain. If any man had a right to sit around and say, well, you know, it's, it's over. My life is over now. I, there's nothing left. If any man had a right to say it, it was Joseph. He was cast into slavery and he was sold into the hands of an Egyptian. Now, Potiphar was the leader of the guard. He was, he was part of Pharaoh's army, I would say, or part of Pharaoh's justice. But he goes to work for him, and I, I think he goes, and I'm sure Potiphar had many servants. But I don't think Joseph showed up and had designs on the place. Do you know what I'm saying? I've met people in my life. I think I've been one of them. You go to a place and you say, well, one day I'm going to be leading. One day I'm going to be in charge of things. Or one, I, I've got big plans for what I'm going to do with what I'm doing here. And I've found that people that are like that, that are always looking into the future, they have a goal in mind. They have what they want to do. But sometimes, and a lot of times probably, there's that person that doesn't realize that where you are right now affects where you will be later. I don't know if y'all follow me on that. I'm not trying to give you a feel-good message, a, a, a talk, or a, just trying to motivate you. I'm, I'm not trying to do that. But what I'm saying is God puts us in a place and that's where he wants to use us sometimes. He will put us where he wants us. And oftentimes we'll have our eyes on something in the future not realizing what we need to do today. Not realizing what we have right in front of us that needs to be taken care of. That maybe God's trying to show you somebody that's near you or maybe God's trying to show you somebody right next to you or in your circle of influence right now. But Joseph didn't sit there and say, well, if my conditions were better, I'd be able to serve God better. Or if, I, if my conditions were better, then I would do a good job. But I'm just a slave. <laughs> I remember on the ship one time and I was in the back and when I was in the Navy and I, re I remember talking to the first class and I never forgot this. Jim Mueller was his name. And he said... Uh, he said something about, have you, have you done this? I said, well, I'm just a third class. He said, and if that's all you think, that's all you'll ever be. It's good to have a goal. But that goal alone doesn't matter. It's good to say, I'll do things for God. I'll, I'll witness to people when God puts me on the, on the mission field. Or I'll witness to someone if God puts them in front of you. But you may be standing right next to the person that God wants you to witness to. Right there and then. And your eyes may be so far. I'm just trying to paint a picture here because Joseph, in his circumstances, he, he didn't worry about what was ahead. He looked in front of him. I think when Joseph was out in the field, I think maybe he got put out in the field and they handed him a rake. He looked down at the dirt and he raked. I don't think he leaned on the rake and thought about the future. So over here in chapter 39, it says, And the Lord was with Joseph, verse number 2, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. Joseph had a testimony, and it wasn't because of his lofty goals for himself. It was because he followed the Lord. 
right there, wherever he was at, they could see that he was with the Lord. He knew, Potiphar knew that God's hand was on Joseph. So verse number four, and Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him. And he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put into his hand. And it came to pass from from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. I thought I'd written this one down. But... The Bible says that whatever you do in word and deed, do everything is unto the Lord. Whatever you may be doing, whether it's at work or whether it's in the garden or whether it's in the house or whether, do it as unto the Lord. Do it as if the Lord is watching over you because he is. And he said, and he left all that he had, verse number six. So Joseph was, upon, was over everything. He was an overseer. And it wasn't out of ambition, and God did the promoting. Verse number six, and he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. Now Joseph, in spite of everything that happened, he just stepped right in to what the Lord had given him and began to work with it. And you may be in a position where you don't have as much in front of you as you did before. But wherever God puts you, that's where we're to be. You know it's bad when your own family leaves. That's a joke now. I know there's, uh, they got to take care of something. But uh, and, uh, the thing is... It, we see a pattern in the Bible and we see it in life that when things are going well, because things are going well for Joseph and things, he's, he's made an overseer of the house and he's, he's put over all things and he's, he's doing as the Lord leads and he's a great testimony to God. He gives God the glory for everything that he does. But there will come a time and there always seems to, when things get to going well, there's always a temptation or a trial that kicks in. And uh, look at verse number seven. It says, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. And she said, Lie with me. So Potiphar's wife cast her eyes on Joseph. And we look at this story and it says, verse eight, But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master was not what is with me, in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And then verse number 10, and it came to pass as he spoke to, as she spoke, spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. There's a couple things to see here. Number one is, looking in verse number seven, it said that the, his master's wife cast her eye upon Joseph. You know, that's where a lot of problems come from. Well, it starts with the eye. We'll see something and we want it. 
And that's what Potiphar's wife had done. She saw something and she wanted it. James, uh, that's what it is. I didn't print. That's, I made the changes and I didn't print it. That's why I'm not seeing my stuff. James chapter 1. We'll have to go to it. James chapter 1, and I'll read it to you. Uh, verse 13, James says, in talking about temptation, he says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. In verse 15, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And uh, that's one of the passages that comes back to me from time to time. But there comes a time, there comes a decision point in your life. It says, but God will make a way to escape. Look at uh, verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted, nor tempteth he with any man, nor tempteth he any man. But every man that is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. There, but God will, with the temptation, I got it mixed up. I really messed myself up when I didn't print the changes. But there comes a decision point in life. There comes a, there comes a time of temptation. You look at something, and the idea comes into your head. The temptation arises. Remember, everything's going in good in Joseph's life. And the only thing that's not in his hands is Potiphar, is, his own, is Potiphar's wife. And now she's tempting him. When we get tempted, we're drawn away of our own lust. When we look at something and we see it, we want it. Do you remember in the Garden of Eden? Remember when Eve was talking to Satan, the devil? And he, he was talking to her. He said, thou shalt not surely die. There's a whole lot to go into there you know, about how the devil changed the word. Eve added to the word and then questioned the word. It all starts with, shout, you know, hath God said? That's what it started with. But then the problem started when Eve looked at the apple and she saw that it was good for food. Once, once that entered in and she saw that it was good for food, Potiphar's wife saw Joseph over in, uh, that's in Genesis chapter 3, 6. And when the woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired and to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the problem started right there. But it all started when she looked at that fruit. She you know, Satan tempting her, temptation is going to happen. But you reach a point, you reach a crossroads. But God will, with the temptation, make a way to escape. There'll be a, there'll be a trial come, there'll be a temptation. But there's always a way to escape. There's always a way away from it. And we see that Joseph takes that fork in the road that leads him away from that temptation. And he doesn't go down that road. Uh, Genesis 13.10, we have Lot and Abraham. You remember what happened to Lot? Lot and Abraham, they, they both had so many sheep and cattle that they, they were 
their workers were arguing with each other. And Abraham said, look, it's not good that we argue as family. He said, you look out. You go to the left, I'll go to the right. You go to the east, I'll go to the west. But just let's go ahead and split up before this splits us up as a family. That's adding in extra words. But the Bible says in verse number 10, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot's problem started right there. Because he judged where he was going to go based on where the plains were well watered for his cattle. He looked out there and he said, well, we can take care of the sheep over here. And there's plenty of grass and there's plenty. I'll take this side, Uncle Abraham. And Uncle Abraham says, well, that's fine. And then Abraham meets with God and Lot pitches his tent towards Sodom. We don't always go down the wrong road right away, but we get those crossroads. You make that decision based on your eyes. You make that decision on based on what you think, on, on what you know to be best, rather than consulting with the Lord, rather than knowing what God says. When you make those decisions, you kind of start down that path. And Lot, he pitched his tent towards Sodom. And then the next time we see Lot, he's sitting in the gate at Sodom. And the last time we see Lot, he's on the other side of Sodom. It's destroyed in everything that he had. There's no sheep. There's no cattle. There's a shirt on his back, maybe. And there's sin in his future as far as his daughters go. But he's lost everything. He's lost his testimony. He's lost his reputation. He's lost his wealth. He's lost everything because he looked out on the plains and said, this is going to take care of me. And we all have to work. But there comes time, there's, there's times in people's lives that it's like, this job will pay more. And you go to that job based on that, and you kind of miss church on a Sunday. Or maybe you don't find a church. Or maybe that job just gets busy, and it begins to get a little busier, and it begins to separate you from your family. It begins to separate you from your church. It begins to separate you from God. And, and it was paying good. It's taking care of things. So we're going to go out to the lake for the weekend. There's nothing wrong with making money. There's nothing wrong with getting a good job. But it's our eyes that lead us away. Now to bring it back, because before we start a whole sermon on the eyes, which I already have, we go back to Potiphar's wife and she looks on Joseph. Well, I had a couple more. I had, yeah, a couple more. 2 Samuel eleven two. David, his problem started... In uh, verse number 2 of chapter 11 of 2 Samuel, you don't have to go there. It says, And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Now those of us who know our Bible know that this is the beginning of troubles right here for David. It all started with the eyes. The lust of the eyes, the pride of the flesh... Uh, pride of life, those are the things uh, that lead you astray. And that's not a direct quote, obviously. But David saw Bathsheba bathing on the roof, and from that moment, he began plotting how to get rid of Uriah, or he began plotting how to have her 
which then led to the death of Uriah, which then led to David not talking to his sons when they had problems there, which then led to his son killing his other son, which then led to rebellion in his household, which then led to David being on the run, which then led to his son being killed as he hung from a tree. You realize you're getting the Cliff Notes version, right? But it started right here with the eyes. David looked out. Now, I guarantee you, I, I would just about guarantee you, we, we know Joseph was about 17 years old when we were in chapter 37. He's probably about 18 or 19 now, and he's over Potiphar's house. And I, I imagine Potiphar's wife was a very beautiful woman. Potiphar was a man of means, and he could have any woman. I, I'm just putting some things, but I don't imagine that David was tempted by an ugly woman. I just don't imagine it. And she sees, she puts her eyes on him. Do y'all think I'm going too far into this? Verse, uh, chapter 30, back to chapter 39. Oh, and I have one more. Job said, I have made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? Job had set his heart not to do that. He made a covenant with his eyes. All right, so Genesis chapter 39, verse number 7. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. And she said, lie with me. Now, look down at uh, verse number 10 just real quick. In verse number 10, it said, and it came to pass that she spake to Joseph day by day. This wasn't a momentary temptation. This might have started with a brush of a hand. This might have started with flirtatious eyes. This might have started with anything. But day by day, Joseph was tempted with this. And it's a matter of where you let your heart go. Are you going to follow the Lord and his word? Or are you going to entertain those thoughts? And this, this story is, it, it invades our sensibilities, but you can think about it in any sense of the word, whether it be a job or whether, I remember buying my first car, you know, you know how I bought my first car and when I sold cars? If you could get somebody to sit in the car and picture themselves driving it, you just about had that thing sold. If you could just get them to picture themselves in that moment, you could just about sell the car. And I remember that's how I bought my first car. I could picture myself driving the thing. I couldn't even drive a stick. It was a stick shift. I bought the car. My friend had to drive it off the lot for me. <laughs> I learned how to drive a stick shift in an afternoon on California Hills. In a few hours, he parked it on the biggest hill he could find. And he, and he said, all right, well, I'm home. You go ahead and get it home. He taught me the sweet spot and all of that. But I pictured myself driving that car, and I was paying, and at the time it was quite a bit of money considering what I was making. I was paying $170 for a car payment and $170 for insurance. And that was a lot of money at the time. So I was paying 300 and something, and I think I was probably making maybe 800 <laughs> But uh, I didn't have a lot of money left over, but I had me a reliable car, I guess. But he wouldn't even entertain it day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. 
Look at his response in verse number eight, what she said. She said, lie with me. And he said, but he refused and said unto his master's wife. And he gives two reasons. He said, my master, what is not, what is with me? In other words, he, Potiphar put everything into his hands. He didn't check up on him. He didn't micromanage him. He trusted him so much that he put all under his care, the management of his household, the management of the servants, what needed to be done. And when he sold or, or bought and things like that, he put all things under his hands. And he said, Behold, my master, what is not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. In all of this, Joseph didn't let it go to his head. He said, Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then? Can I do this great wickedness and sin against Potiphar, against God? We're to do all things as unto the Lord. We're to avoid things as unto the Lord. With an understanding that God has set boundaries in our lives. With an understanding that, that we, whatever we do, it's a sin against God when we do things. It's not a sin against men. It may be a sin against man. It may have an effect. It would have had an effect on Potiphar. It would have had an effect on, on everything else. But the sin was against God. When David was called out before Nathan, he said, I have sinned against God. He would say, yeah, he sinned against Uriah. Yeah, he did. The ultimate sin was against God. You know, man likes to look at himself as in the, other, in the eyes of other men. They like to say, well, my works will outweigh my, my good works will outweigh my bad. Because they're saying, well, I give to charity and I'm kind to people and I'm nice to people. And that's good. You're treating people good. You're known well in the eyes of other people. But how are you known in the eyes of God? Because that's ultimately what matters. That's ultimately who you go before at the judgment seat of Christ, Revelation chapter 20. Unless you know Christ, and then you stand before him, and he judges your works. All right, 1 Corinthians 3 on that. All right, so he said, how can I do this? How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. He can, you can almost think how it just starts out slow. And the tension begins to build and build and build into a crescendo. I, I thought of, when I thought of this, I was kind of thinking of Beethoven. There's times where the music could get quiet. And then it gets to this moment to where it just blares out. And there it is. It's a moment of decision. It was avoiding before. But then she puts him in a spot where there's no choice. You, either, you, you make the choice. You either avoid or you give in. And in verse number 11, it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. Now, for a young man of 19, Joseph didn't consider himself strong enough to stand there. The temptation, when we're tempted, and I'm not just talking about in this situation that Joseph is in, but when you're in a situation where there's temptation, 
that the, the urge is when you're kind to people, when you, when you want to get along with someone, when someone's your friend, you want to, you know, you want to let it down easy. You want to say, hey, you know, well, you know, we're really, and you want to give a reason why. You don't want it to end in not being friends. You don't want it to end in losing your friendship. You don't want it to, that's why they talk about peer pressure. I mean, you could talk, you could look at it in the sense of doing drugs. You know, well, you know, I'm just, no, no, no. But you could give in to it. You could give in to the temptation. Joseph didn't stand there and argue with her. Joseph didn't stand there and reason with her. He didn't, there, there was, I, I put down here favor, friendship, and fear. There, there would have been a fear because Potiphar's wife can give a good word or a bad word about him. He could have, he could have tried to smooth it over. He doesn't want to lose his place or his position. He doesn't. And he, maybe he tries to talk to her. But he stays in that situation longer. Well, what we see Joseph do, not only does he run, but she's trying to hold him. He leaves her holding the garment. And he gets away from that situation. So many people fall when they just stay in that situation. The way to escape for Joseph was running. He fled, it said. He ran out that door. He got away from the situation. Now, what happened after? He had no control over. But God's in control. And God has a plan for him. Now, as we look at the big picture and we see Joseph's life, we see that his father had given him some responsibilities. I'm just talking from the practical sense. His father had given him responsibilities but he still wasn't ready. And over Potiphar's house, he'd learned administration. I have no doubt that he learned a lot of things in Potiphar's house, and he learned a lot about the Egyptian culture. And he'd learned, and just on the practical side now, not painting a picture of types and stuff, but just on the practical side, he learned a lot about administration. He learned about running the house. He learned how the Jews operate with each other. In his eyes, he was simply doing what God had put in front of him. He wasn't planning. He wasn't scheming. And in his eyes, that temptation was there. In his eyes, he wasn't going to sin against God. There was no plans or anything. He just fled and got out of that situation. And then she turns on him. So verse number 11, it came to pass at this time... Uh, Verse 12, and she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in an Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home and she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. 
And it came to pass when his master heard these heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. So she makes up a story. <laughs> She's rejected. And she makes up a story about Joseph and she pulls everybody on her side. Whether you're working a job or whether you're whether you're in a church, whether you're a pastor, whether you're a Sunday school teacher, whether you're a school teacher or anything. You can follow God, but understand that that's not always a smooth path. There will be trials. There will be temptations. But when you keep God before you like Joseph did, Joseph had his Lord before him. He said, I can't do this sin against God. In spite of everything, God was using him. God was shaping everything toward a plan. And it hurts. It hurts to go through. It hurt to lose that position. It hurt to be betrayed again. It hurt to be thrown into prison, to see Potiphar angry. It hurt to see all of that. It hurt to know the truth and everybody else lying about you. But how do you stand before God? So when Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, verse 20, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. Verse 21. It says, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, did here, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. So that's where we'll end it today.